Welcome back to another episode of the Highlighted in All Sports Culture podcast. I'm going to be your host for today's episode, Kurt. I'm joined by Solly, who I would You're- say... I would say is usually the co-host, but you haven't been here for the uh, last episode, so we're good. Yeah, I'm it's slacking good. a little bit. It's good to have you back, but obviously, um, it's you know NFL is coming back. Happy about that. I know that this content for this podcast can be booming when that happens. Uh, NBA is reaching the peak of the playoffs. We just hit the second round for some matchups. MLB is getting into the late stretch, so like all sports culture, make sure you're just staying up to par with the Instagram, with the podcast, with the YouTube content's gonna be booming. So, yes, sir. Make, make sure you're uh, staying with that. But in today's episode, we are gonna be talking first about the Miami Heat Milwaukee Bucks game that just happened. Um, at the time we are recording this, the Rockets are currently playing the Thunder game six. We would talk about that, but. You know, don't have the final score for that we'll right now. We'll predict the future a little bit, but we will. That, I don't um, want to give you guys too much. <laughs> right. We don't want to know you, you – know, yeah. So we can't spoil it too much. Right. So, and then after that, we're going to be talking a little bit about um, – what What else is on our menu? We have the fantasy football quarterback rankings that we're going to be We got doing. some Leonard Fournette news, Leonard obviously. Fournette. Yes. So, we got a good show. And obviously, like, if you didn't watch the um, – or listen to the last podcast – we're going to be switching now to two a week and doing them kind of 30 minutes instead of one 60 minute, because we think that's absolutely better. Um, so let's get right into it. So let's do it. The Milwaukee Bucks, Miami heat just finished up and the Miami heat won 115 to 104. Jimmy Butler, If you watched any of the game, Beast. you know that especially down the stretch dropping 40 points on 13 out of 20 shooting Perfect, not perfect. He only missed one free throw, but he was 12 of 13 from the free throw line. Great game from Goran Dragic, but this Heat team, you know, being a five seed, not even, you know, I guess some people had Indiana even winning the first round matchup, even though I had Miami, but, you know, they really have solidified themselves as a contender in the East, even being a five seed. You know, it's going to be a great series against the Milwaukee Bucks. And, uh, you know, does this game one, scare you if you're a Milwaukee fan saw or do you think that they are you know still in full control being the one seed and think that they can for sure be an Eastern Conference Finals team um I mean I wouldn't overreact too much but in my opinion um I don't really think it's overreacting to say that you should be a little scared if you're the box because I think you should have been a little scared going into the series you know Miami was playing really good ball they're obviously very hot the Bucks did drop one to the Magic, but after that, you know, they were playing fine. But, you know, the three-point defense hasn't really been there. You still have the Giannis struggles in the playoffs. You know, he didn't play great today. Had a near triple-double, might have even had it. I don't know his exact stat line. But um, he, what do you have? Like, he had, like, 20 points. Like he's, it was 18, uh, 10, and 9 18. was the stat line. Yeah, I mean, on paper, it looks decent, but we're talking about a back-to-back MVP and someone who was supposed to be, you know um, – I don't want to say that next to LeBron. He doesn't really play like LeBron, but he's supposed to be like that next figure of the league that's going to dominate. And he hasn't been able to do that in the playoffs yet in any series he's been in for the most part. And um, like I said, I would I was a little scared as a – I'm not a Bucks fan, but if I were a Bucks fan going in, I would have been a little scared just because of the things that I said. Miami was playing great, great ball. And now after game one, obviously, it doesn't make you feel good. But I also don't think it changes a ton – um, because, you know, Giannis had his struggles, but I think that Miami Heat probably played one of their better games. 
in the series. Um, and I think that the problem with the Bucks is, you know, like I said, Giannis struggles a lot in the playoffs sometimes. And, you know, Middleton had a great first half, 21 points in the first half. If Middleton can do that, they're going to win the East. If Middleton can be putting out 20 points and a half, the Bucks are winning the East. I don't care what anyone says. The problem is he goes, what, two for 10 in the second half? They're going to lose. If, if Giannis is getting bottled up a little bit and he's giving it to Middleton, Middleton's bricking threes. I mean, I don't know, man. Um, I, like I said, I would be a little worried, but I'm not too – my worriness hasn't really changed much uh, from the game one because I was expecting this to be a close series regardless. Yeah, and with me, I had the Bucks going to the finals and obviously winning the finals. Anyone who pays attention to this podcast knows that. And I'm not going to allow one game – to change my overall opinion on them because I still think they're a fantastic team. I Like you already mentioned, I knew that Miami would come into the series. They were playing great ball against the Indiana Pacers, who are still a great basketball team. Let's not get that twisted, even though they did get swept. Miami is a good basketball team. Milwaukee, though, like you mentioned, Chris Middleton, I think, is that X-Factor player. He did have a great game, though, I would say, 28 points. You know, the Shot a lot with 24 uh, field goals compared to like Giannis's 12. Um, but the 50% is obviously good. And he was also 50% from three-point line. So a good game from Chris Middleton. Giannis, though, like you said, the stat line would show that he had a pretty good game. And obviously, I think Giannis is phenomenal. Was very deserving of the last two MVPs that he got. But especially down the stretch, you kind of saw this team unfold. Especially, you know, you saw a great first quarter performance from the Milwaukee Bucks. And all up until like four minutes left into the fourth quarter, this game was ultimately really close. And Milwaukee, to me, if they just played a lot better down the stretch, they're easily winning this game. But Jimmy Butler took over, so a lot of credit goes to Jimmy Butler. Obviously, you know, all the offseason, everyone was making fun of him for saying, I'm going to go to a contender. Then he went to Miami. But, you know, Miami really is a contender. Um, And like you've been saying, I don't think that, if you're a Milwaukee fan, you have to worry and be like, look, I don't think we're going to win the series. But at the same time, it does raise some red flags. There's a little bit of question marks. Obviously, yeah, the game eyebrows play, are raised. Like, how, like, when you go from scoring 40 points in the first quarter to 18 in the fourth, that's it's well, not good. He, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Everyone knows with Giannis, you know, his game is – uh, you know, that full court pressure, get the rebound, run and gun type of deal. That's that's his game. Euro steps, um, overpowering people at the rim. And here's the thing. In the last four minutes of playoff games, people are playing a lot of defense. That's when the most defense is played, especially in transition. Everyone is getting back. There were multiple times where Giannis got a rebound. He would push. He had a one-on-two, which in most cases is not a great idea. But if it's Giannis and you're seven foot and you're going against Tyler Hero and, you know, um, you know, Jimmy Butler, who is a pretty good defender, but Giannis wins those matchups for the most part. But the rest of the Miami Heat were hustling back down. And when Giannis would maybe get, you know, stopped a little bit, he would look for an outlet pass. It wouldn't be there because Heat had great transition defense in the last four minutes of that game. And that's the key to stopping Giannis. I mean, everyone, it's, it's clear as day. I mean, send the guy to the free throw line. Don't give him easy buckets, send him to the free throw line and stop him in transition. That's how you stop Giannis. Obviously way easier said than done. The guy is a freak. He can obviously run. There was a layup he made with about three minutes left where he tried to do a Euro step, got completely stuffed, had contact about 
I don't know, probably like 10 feet from the rim and he laid it in and, and there was no foul should have been a foul, but there was no foul called. And I was just like, that is insane. The fact that he can do that. But at the same time, he can't do that every single play. A lot of times he can overpower people, but obviously he can't do it every play. As you can see from tonight, only 18 points. So stopping Giannis and he are a very young, um, energetic, hungry team, especially with Jimmy Butler as your leader, you're going to play defense. If you don't, you're probably not going to play. So, um, yeah, uh, the Bucks, like like you said, you picked them to win the finals. They're obviously a great, great team. I wouldn't be extremely worried that they're going to lose. But this this series is looking like a six or a seven, no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um, but I think, really, that's all we can kind of talk about. Unless there's anything else you can add, I think that it's going to be a good series for the most part. Like we said, I think it's going to be six or seven. And I think that regardless of kind of who wins this, it's going to be a really interesting playoff series and it's going to be a really interesting Eastern Conference Finals. I'm just excited for the rest of the NBA playoffs. So um, moving on, though, to some NFL talk. So Leonard Fournette, a little bit of a weird situation that we found out this morning, which is Leonard Fournette was released by the Jacksonville Jaguars after three seasons. Um, Leonard Fournette, obviously, you know, in 2017 – uh, the 2017-18 season when the Jaguars were this amazing football team going 10-6 and and being kind of one throw away from the Super Bowl. Leonard Fournette was a huge part of that offense, especially against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But now you're looking at it and he got released. The Jaguars in, in a little bit of a train wreck. And the future kind of remains unknown for Jaguars fans, I guess you could say, and for the whole team and for the whole personnel. Um, obviously, the Jaguars wanted to ship Leonard Fournette, they wanted to at least give like a fifth-round pick or a sixth-round pick, but no teams were willing, were willing to trade that future assets for a player, you know, that they weren't comfortable with or they just didn't need. So were you as shocked as I was seeing that he was released and not getting at least some sort of return uh, for Leonard Fournette? Um, I have two answers to that. No, wasn't really shocked uh, at all, honestly. Um, what I was shocked a little bit about – is the fact that they released him 10 days before the season starts. Um, it, it says volumes about their management, and they probably uh, – it's not probably. They are the worst managed team in football right now. It's not close, in my opinion. Um, you can make Jaguars-Browns comparisons. The Browns, not anymore. Browns are moving in the right direction. There's no doubt in my mind. But, you know, the Browns of, you know, the last 10 years, that's what the Jaguars are going into right now. If you look at that uh, – ridiculous rock roster they assembled like you were just talking about in 2017. Um, obviously Blake Bortles, you know, he wasn't anything special, might've been a flash in the pan kind of thing. Um, that year they had Allen Robinson was obviously a beast. Leonard Fournette was a beast back then. They had, you know, cause they had a better line and now their defense was obviously ridiculous. That's really where they were, where they were showing out is that defense was insane and they've all fallen apart. They really haven't been able to keep, you know, any of those guys, um, it's pretty much just Josh Allen, who they drafted last year. That's pretty much like their entire team right now. So um, the, the Jaguars are just really bad management. And the fact that they would release um, a running back who – like running backs, they don't get any respect in this league when, in, when, when it comes to a price tag, getting paid. And the least you can do for this man that you're giving the ball 300 times a year – him getting banged up every single play. I mean, he's inefficient, but it's not all his fault. Right. That team is that that team's not good. 
Um, yes, he hasn't really, what is he, he's broken 95 tackles in his career. Josh Jacobs broke 70 alone in his rookie year. Yes, I'd rather have Josh Jacobs or a player like that over Fournette. But Fournette is no slouch. He's not horrible. You get him in the right situation. I'm sure many teams would be happy to add him. Obviously, right now it's it's weird, though, because it's 10 days away from the season. That's why I don't love this idea, that just this decision from the Jaguars. Um, obviously, if they didn't want him, he didn't want to be there. So it's better late than never. But I, I just kind of hate this move from them. Um, it speaks volumes, like I said, to their management. And I think players take notice, honestly. I don't think that's just, like, something that people brush off. People, like, players notice how they're treated by certain franchises if you think if you think free agents are going to Jacksonville, you're sadly mistaken because I don't think a lot of people want to play there. It's the same thing about the Browns, and now the Browns are turning a corner. But um, yeah, I, I didn't love the move. But yeah, do I, I do want to say um, regarding the regarding the Jaguars uh, backfield backfield I can't even speak right now backfield situation uh, for fantasy. You got Armstead. I don't think he's the guy. You're you're looking at Chris Thompson. And I know Kurt knows Chris Thompson. Come on. Those I love me some well. Chris Those Thompson. Real well. And Kurt, answer me this. Is Chris Thompson a very talented running back? He is. Can he stay on the field for more than eight games? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. But when you're playing fantasy and you're taking a guy in the 12th, 13th round, who, why do you care? Why do oh, you care? If you I definitely eight? think people should you take don't. Chris Thompson yeah. in the draft. Chris Thompson will be – Leonard Fournette has never caught over, what, 35 balls in his career. Last year he caught 76. If you don't think that Chris Thompson is going to catch 65 balls this year, if he plays at least eight games, you're crazy. It's going to be check down season for Gardner. Well, it's going to be also or uh, Chris Thompson. Yeah, and I think that – you know, with also acquiring Jay Gruden as their offense coordinator over the offseason, Jay Gruden exactly. has some history. Has some history with Chris Thompson, and he would love Chris Thompson. He utilized him a bunch out of the backfield, especially in second and third down, you know, using him out of the backfield for a receiving back kind of situation. So I think that, like you said, he's going to get a bunch of receptions. He's not a running back, though, just because of his height. He's like, I don't know what he is, 5'7". I mean, if you run that guy between the guards, you're just asking for him to go to the Right, hospital. and that's where it really messed up when he tore his ACL. I think it was in 2018. Um, it was because we didn't have another solidified running back. Darius Geis got injured in the preseason game against uh, the Patriots, and obviously, you know, Adrian Peterson could do all he could, but it was just – Chris Thompson was utilized way too much on the backfield, but I'm going to stop talking about Washington because we're talking about Leonard Fournette. Um, so Fournette, like you said, I was a little shocked by this. I thought that he would, you know, I thought that he would start the season with Jacksonville. And like you kind of talked about, because you kind of see, like, you're, like you mentioned, you know, you said players are kind of realize what's going on in Jacksonville. No one's going to really want to play for them, which I agree with because – I also think that Leonard Fournette and other players that haven't really worked out, especially on the defensive side of the ball, what we've seen in the past three years, they're talking to other players and they're saying, you know, Jacksonville, it's not, it's not well ran. And look, Jacksonville is just not like, you don't wake up and you say, I don't want to go play for Jacksonville. It's not like a big market, not the diss the town at all, but it's not like this flashy town, not a good football team. It's just, what motivation do you really have to go play in Jacksonville? So they're in a little bit of a train wreck. 
What would really help them, though, is if they get our boy Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we'll <laughs> see if that happens, though. But it's like, at the same time, here's what I have to say, which I've been thinking about. Obviously, if you're the worst team in football, which the Jaguars have a good chance of being, your quarterback play is really not that good. But I've been thinking about this. Like, if Gardner Minshew has a season like, you know, not amazing by any means, but it's not the worst in the football. Like, if he throws for, like, 20 or 25 touchdowns and, like, 5 to 10 interceptions, which really, okay. like – I'm going to cut you off, though, because I think – I, I know where you're going. If he has that type of season, I don't think they're going to get the first pick. You know what I mean? I get it, but – They still could, though. They still could. Right. I'm just saying if the situation happens where, you know – like, because like, here's my thing. I think if they are the worst team in football – he's not having a good season, but I'm just saying if it happens to where like he has a good season, he's one of the only bright spots on that team. Like, do you get someone like Sewell, however you say his name, the offensive tackle out of Oregon, P&I Sewell, I think that's how you say his name, who is really good to take the chance on Trevor Lawrence and pull kind of like a Kyler Murray to Arizona situation because Trevor is this, you know, can't miss talent. People are saying he's the best pro ready quarterback since Andrew Luck. It's a decision that, you know, the Jacksonville front office will probably mess up again, but we'll see. It'll be interesting. I, I think they're going to definitely go for Trevor just because, you know, it's not even like you invested a lot into Gardner and it's not even like, okay, we got two positions we need. Let's patch up those holes. It's like, you need every single position. So start with the quarterback, um, especially the one that just looks like he could be the next any like he could just be the next face of the league so um yeah i think they'd go trevor but since i think they would go trevor they'd probably go someone else just because yeah. it's the jaguars so yep all right well we will see but to move on to our last topic of today is our fantasy football quarterback rankings it is on the all sports culture instagram account so make sure you guys are checking that out and leaving a like on it you know how it is um but we yes, did sir. the top 20 fantasy football quarterback rankings. I'll go 20 to 11 right now. We'll talk about it. Then we'll do 10 to one. So we have Kirk cousins at 20, Sam Darno at 19, Jared Goff at 18, Cam Newton at 17, Drew Locke at 16, Baker Mayfield at 15, Ryan Tannehill at 14, Tom Brady at 13, Aaron Rodgers at 12, and then Drew Brees at 11. So what kind of stands out to you out of those 10 that I just mentioned? Um, first thing that's, all right. So, um, the first thing that stood out for me when I looked at this list was, uh, well, Kirk Cousins at 20 seems a little low in my opinion. Um, but also when I think about it, the loss of digs is going to really hurt his, you know, his big play potential. Do I think not sleep on Justin Jefferson though. He's going to have a um, monster year for them. I'm sleeping on him. <laughs> no, but no, 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 no. But he's not Dix. He's not Dix. I mean, he could be better. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. That's fair. But anyway, I think the biggest change I'd make in this is Drew Locke and Baker Mayfield over Ryan Tannehill. Definitely, in my opinion. Um, I'm not think giving Locke, my boy Ryan respect. <laughs> yeah, you know, your your doppelganger. Yeah, my, you know, exactly. Just Drew Locke is like they just got so many weapons over there. I just think. I mean. I don't know. I think he's going to throw for 25 touchdowns at least. Maybe it's another um, – maybe it's a situation like Cleveland. You know, sophomore quarterback like Baker was, you know, a lot of talent. And maybe they go 6-10 and 10 and he underperforms. 
Yeah, that is possible. But, you know, so is Sam Darnold being a top five quarterback, right? Yep. I mean, a lot of things are possible. That's the NFL, baby. Mm -hmm. But you do make a good point. It's very possible. But Ryan Tannehill, in my opinion, I just think he had his best stretch of his career, and it will never be like that again. Um, He'll be a solid quarterback. I think he'll be fine. He'll win you some games. I'm not sure he's a fantasy quarterback. I would never feel confident starting Ryan Tannehill in fantasy. It's just – it doesn't do it for me. I'd rather start a guy like Goff or a guy like Drew Locke, who I think is more of a – you know, you look at a stat sheet and you see Goff with 400 yards and two touchdowns. You're not surprised at all. I mean, that's kind of the offense that they have, but you're really not surprised. He's that – he throws for a ton of yards all the time. He's usually got a lot of – last year he didn't have a ton of touchdowns. I mean, for the – just – we're talking fantasy, so I'm going to say this. I mean, Jared Goff, for the amount of times he threw the ball last year, his touchdown percentage was so low, it was insane. It was, like, ridiculous. Um, So it's a guarantee that Jared Goff will throw at least five more touchdowns this year than he threw last year. I think he threw 21, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it could be 26. If it's 26, he'll probably won't throw five more. But if it's 21, he's 100% throwing five more. Um, I think Goff at 18 is pretty low. Um, but I wouldn't change too much about it. I mean, 10, 11 through 20, it's kind of a mishmash. It's, it's yeah. a, I'm looking for guys with upside. That's why I like Locke. That's why I like Goff. That they've had – I mean, Locke really hasn't had insane seasons, obviously, being a rookie last year. But Goff has had been a fantasy stud before. You know, at 18, you're picking second to last, third to last round. Goff is a guy I'm looking for over a guy like Ryan Tannehill, in my opinion. Yep. Baker, to me, everyone knows I think Baker's going to be a monster year. I'm taking him basically in a lot of drafts this year. Just because I think if you're in, like, the 12th round, like, why not just pull the trigger on Baker Mayfield? I think that the offense Stefanski is perfect. We forget that he had a monster rookie year. And if to me, I think that it was bad coaching that really just did not allow him to have a good season last year. He got rid of the coaching. I think it's going to be a great year next year. So 15, I understand why he's there right now, but I think it's going to skyrocket after next season. Other than that, though, I think Tom Brady could be a little bit higher just because of the weapons that are surrounding him. Like if you think Mike Evans is going to have a good year, Chris Godwin will have a good year, Gronk will. Like, you have to think that Tom Brady will as well. And the offense that's being presented to him, he really hasn't seen in, you know, throughout his whole career. So I think that Tom Brady will have a good year. Baker, but that's kind of it for 23. What, what, what do you think about Breeze at 11, though? Because I feel like a lot of people will say he should be higher. You know, if you look at last season when he came back from the injury, he was very, very good. Before the injury, he was very, very good. Um, I the, the reason why I'm not too high on him is because – um, you know, he's already said this is his last season and he's definitely getting out there in age. What is he? He's probably 41 right now. He is. 41. Um, so it's, it's a little scary to me, but at the same time, it's like the last time we've seen him on the field, he was a beast besides against the Vikings in the playoffs, but he's been kind of known to do that in the playoffs. We're talking regular season. This is fantasy. So, um, you know, I don't know. Drew Brees at 11. It kind of confuses me a little bit, but at the same time, I'm not really targeting him in drafts, so I don't know how I feel about him, really. It's just like the old age really turns me off. Makes sense, but I think that it obviously does help having the best receiver in football. So 
Yeah, well, he's got the second best receiver in football. So, no, Sully, it's the best. <laughs> um, but let's do 10 through 1 now. So 10 is Matthew Stafford. 9 is Carson Wentz. 8 is Matt Ryan. 7 is Josh Allen. 6 is Deshaun Watson. 5 is Kyler Murray. 4 is Dak Prescott. 3 is Russell Wilson. 2 is Patrick Mahomes. And 1 is Lamar Jackson. So, kind of just looking at this, I'm not – I mean, I don't really have any set yeah, on obligations. I think it's a pretty good list in my opinion. Um, I am interested – I'm fine with Dak being at four, but I'm interested to see what kind of what kind of season he's going to have because obviously they did add a third wide receiver in C.D. Lamb. They have Ezekiel Elliott who, you know, is capable of making plays out of the backfield. It's a good team, and I think that he has all the weapons, and now that he has a hopefully a good head coach in Mike McCarthy, it's going to be interesting to see if Dak Prescott can kind of live up to the hype and have a good fantasy football and just a set-on good season for the Cowboys. Um, but other than that, you know, maybe Josh Allen, you could move him up like a spot or two, but I won it just because he was the seventh best fantasy football quarterback last year, and now you add a Stephon Diggs to that. Um, offense and maybe he could you know do a little bit better that Um, but I think that's kind of it I really don't have any obligations to this list yeah I mean Dak is I I like Dak's spot he always does have a pretty good fantasy year he's pretty consistent for the most part the thing with him is you know definitely last year he got a lot of his points when in garbage time or not really garbage time but the Cowboys were losing and the game was kind of out of reach um, which is just so weird how that team was so bad I think about it a lot, honestly, but uh, <laughs> I mean, the same thing will happen. I mean, I don't think the same thing will happen this year, but the same thing could happen this year. And even so, like he's got so many weapons, like even if the Cowboys are good, bad, I think he'll be fine um, for fantasy, at least. Uh, Kyler Murray, I'm a big Kyler Murray guy. I got him in my draft. I think he's a beast. Obviously he had a great fantasy season last year, only 20 touchdowns, but he's got the 500 rushing yards. And it doesn't sound like a ton, but in fantasy, that is like running quarterbacks are just so good. Like, the scoring system is just not equal, um, in my opinion. It just it's it's totally weighted towards rushing quarterbacks, and that's the reason why Lamar Jackson is one over Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes. It's very possible that Patrick Mahomes throws for almost double the touchdowns that Lamar Jackson throws for. So I'm looking at a little bit of regression from Lamar. What did he have last year? He, he had 31 or uh, how many touchdowns did he have? Passing touchdowns. I will I think fact like low check 30s that. or something like that. But, um, yeah, I'm seeing probably – I have Lamar probably around, you know, 26, 27 passing touchdowns. Uh, obviously, he'll have a ton of rushing stats. But Patrick Mahomes, you know, he could push 45 to almost 50 touchdowns this year. And the fact that he probably still will finish second to Lamar if that happens. Just because of the – Lamar has that potential to get 1,000 rushing yards, you know, five or six rushing touchdowns. Like, like – Rushing quarterbacks are kind of what you want to target in fantasy. That's why Josh Allen is so high. You know, no one thinks Josh Allen's going to throw for as many touchdowns as Carson Wentz, but we do know two things. He's going to be on the field and he's going to be running the football. Um, other than that, I like the list. Uh, I think Deshaun Watson's going to have a really, really good year, even though the Texans probably won't be that good. He's going to have great stats, you know, garbage time. It's going to be his thing. Um, he's always been a great fantasy quarterback. And I think, Obviously, we'll talk about fantasy wide receivers in a future episode. But if you're drafting tomorrow, Brandon Cooks at the end, of, not the end of your draft, but you know that in round nine ish is where he's going. 
he's going to be a steal. He will be a fourth or fifth round pick next year. I'm guaranteeing that. Um, he, uh, there's only been seven wide receivers that are active right now that have had a thousand yards uh, four years in a row. Brandon Cooks is one of them. People forget what he did with the Saints, with the Patriots, with the Rams two years ago. He was a beast. Last year, injuries, whatnot, got the best of him. I mean, think name a better quarterback to pair with Brandon Cooks besides Deshaun Watson. You're looking at maybe Wentz, maybe Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson. Deshaun Watson's in that category in terms of playing with a deep threat wide receiver. So I think Cooks is going to be a beast. So draft him if you're drafting tomorrow. But obviously, we'll talk about wide receivers in the future. We will. That's all I have to do with the list. That's all yeah, and I think that's going to be all for the highlighted All Sports Culture podcast. Is there anything else you want to add on, Sully, before we wrap this up? Uh, no, I think all I have to say is goodbye.